When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ayo, welcome into the CHGO White Sox postgame show presented by PointsBet. Use promo code CHGO when you sign up to get two risk free bets up to $2,000. Welcome into Studio A of our CHGO offices here in the West Loop of Chicago. I'm Sean Anderson, the host of the CHGO White Sox postgame show. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. And since it's an away game, I am very lucky to have the full CHGO beat with me. I got Vinny Duber on the far left. Follow him on Twitter, Twitter at Vinny Duber. He's a CHGO White Sox beat writer. And the man in the middle is Herb Lawrence. Hello. You can follow him on Twitter at Ecknerwall23. He's a CHGO White Sox community leader. We are coming to you after a White Sox loss. They lose 3 to nothing out in Seattle, losing the second game of the series, setting up a rubber match for tomorrow. Johnny Cueto was good in this one. Logan, Logan Gilbert a little bit better. Probably the big news of Luis Robert leaving with an injury. Again, we'll discuss it and more here on the CHGO White Sox postgame show. But first, we didn't say this. Probably should have mentioned it. Romy Gonzalez, happy birthday. You picked him as your pick to click. I did. <laughs> and uh, without even knowing it was his birthday. I didn't know it was his birthday, but happy birthday, Romy. You did not click tonight. <laughs> no, and, and no one really did. For the White Sox, they had seven hits. Can you guess how many were singles? Uh, six out of the seven were signals, singles. They left nine runners on base and were one for seven with runners in scoring position. And really, they had about one threat this entire game. Uh, it, one out, uh, runner on third, and Jose Abreu was up. Possibly, you know, sack fly scores the runner. But outside of that, the White Sox really weren't able to do anything. What do you make of this one, Herb? I mean, same old, same old with the White Sox. I mean, Logan Gilbert came to pitch today with his uh, what a nine strikeouts. He was good. He was really good today. But the White Sox were hitting him really hard. I think I uh, counted eight hard-hit balls, 95-plus miles per hour off the bat from White Sox uh, hitters. But most of them just went right at Seattle Mariners defenders. So, Good plan, good process. The results weren't good, but also one for seven with runners in scoring position. That one hit, I think, was a single up the middle where Jose Abreu really, you know, he was running well, and the ball was hit just hard as hell. So there was no way that Joe McEwen was going to send him there because he would have been out by a good margin. So execution on with runners in scoring position are a thing that's happened again. I know people are going to focus on the one play where Gavin catches a ball in right field and this runner from second tags up. And goes to third, and then Yoan Mankata uh, doesn't get the ball. The ball kind of takes a hop on him, and then Johnny Cueto's not backing up the ball uh, well enough, and that ball hits the camera, so the runner goes home right there. scores the one run that they scored before the two-run home run in the eighth. That's a big thing, but very hard to win when you score zero runs. Only way you can do this, and Chris Kamka schooled me on this a couple of years ago because I said it's impossible to win with zero runs. It's possible if a team forfeits, you get like nine runs because <laughs> you didn't score them, but they're nine runs that are given to you. So it's very impossible. It's almost impossible to score or to win games when you don't score runs. So, yes, that's a big play. And, yes, those guys messed up. But, damn, you need to score some runs to win games. Maybe new question, White Sox. Should the White Sox forfeit every game versus right-handed, uh, right-handed starting pitching? No. <laughs> they lose it's not most a good, of them. It's not a well, but they lose all of them if the, it was yes. the other way around there, and True. that could be that could end up being the difference in this very dull AL Central race. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I mean, looking at this dull AL Central race, uh, you look at the Twins, who somehow are still in second place. I thought they were dead about two weeks ago. They're still in second place. Uh, we're able to take one game from the Sox this past weekend. 
They got rained out in New York, where they're going to have a doubleheader tomorrow against the Yankees. I doubt that goes well for them because Minnesota playing New York always goes poorly. Um, so, I, I mean, this is just a pretty huge game for the Sox that this set up tomorrow because you got to keep pace with Cleveland at this point. I think a loss tomorrow might be real detrimental because sweeping four games against Oakland seems very difficult. Um, and I think if you're going to look for a good road trip, I think five and two, four and three is probably what you're shooting for. Um, you know, it just gives you a little bit of breathing room so you don't have to go three or four against Oakland. I think tomorrow going up against Luis Castillo uh, and you have Michael Kopech on the bump for the Sox, um, it, it's shaping up to be a massive, massive game, I feel, for the Sox and their AL Central hopes. It's vital. They need to win, as you said. Oakland has been a house of horrors for the White Sox. No matter how bad the Oakland A's have been, same thing with the Kansas City Royals. Going to Oakland is a thing that the White Sox don't do well usually. I know lately they've probably done better than uh, most times, but I just think of uh, all these bad games in the Oakland Alameda, Colise- uh, Oakland Alameda Coliseum, and it's just getting worse. Like I'm sure the conditions for the visiting clubhouse are crap. Being in that city is depressing. <laughs> And that stadium is huge, a big football stadium. I can't wait till they move to Vegas. Just and it has hurry up of, and do it. It has a ton of bugs in it too, right? Yeah, and possums. There's poss- There's worse than bugs. I was there last year and my computer was attacked by ants. This year, <laughs> uh, this oh, year, uh, the problem is... Why that- didn't you want to go back? You didn't beg Jake <laughs> oh, to go back great. to Oakland? No, I was like, you know what? I think I can skip Oakland this year. Uh, this year, though, there's worse things because possums live in the ceiling of the press box. Jesus. So uh, you're not, your computer is not the only thing at risk of being attacked, so is the top of your head by an angry possum. Be- Watch bring out your, for... Bring your brooms, I guess, when you go to uh, cover the team in, in Oakland. Bring your brooms and gloves. You might catch a foul ball or you might catch a flying fo- uh, possum yes. falling from the ceiling. Yes. Uh, a very eventful uh, trip out to Oakland. Uh, yeah, right now the Sox sit three games back of the Guardians. Guardians are 7 70 and 64. Sox are 68 and 68 at 500 for the 25th time this year. The Guardians have taken care of business. They've won two straight against the Royals, and mainly that's why I can't get too excited about the Sox going five and two in that seven games, uh, that seven game stretch since Tony has been out. Uh, Sox go five and two, and yes, it all looks great. They're hitting 1.8 home runs per game, which is better than the .08 they were hitting in the first 128 games, but what comes next is the 133rd game, uh, which brings you right back down uh, to reality. Uh, a lot of these same issues we've seen with the Sox. They faced a lot of right-handed pitching and couldn't figure it out today. You mentioned the main gaffe that happened in the fourth inning. Gavin ends up trying to throw to third, not cut off by Elvis Andrews, not picked up by Yohan Moncada, not backed up by Johnny Cueto, and very odd to see it perfectly hit the camera and have that perfect kind of awesome, to be honest. Like, I know Sox fans weren't happy about it, but, like, that's probably the best angle of a play you're ever going to see. It's like when the the thing on the DVD screen hits the corner. Like, it's just it's just <laughs> perfect alignment right there. Uh, frustrating seeing the White Sox defense give up a run. Obviously, you're not going to win if you can't score. Uh, but especially going into that eighth inning and, and even that seventh inning or the sixth inning when they had Abreu on third base, all they needed from Gavin Sheets was a, a fly ball to drive him in on the sack fly to tie that game. Uh, frustrating that Johnny Cueto, who was able to get out of so many dangerous situations tonight that's what ends up burning him is a routine sacrifice fly that if just even Elvis Andrews cuts that ball off so there isn't a play at third base that runner stays at third and maybe Cueto's able to wiggle his way out and that game still 0-0 after four and we've seen this time and time again with the White Sox with lack of focus I know people want to get on Yoan for laziness and I think that's a lazy thing to say about him the man has played spectacular defense for the most part he must played that ball that is on him. The air goes on Gavin. Like, he gets the credit or blame for the air, but Yoan Moncada's got to grab that ball. I know it took a tricky hop, but you have to understand that going past you is not an option there. And then behind that, Johnny Cueto's got to be backing him up correctly where the ball's going. He's got to see the flight of the ball and then having his uh, back literally there to cut that ball off so the run doesn't score. But I just think, White Sox have done this all the time. It's really, really frustrating to see that they've had lack of focus, and they're a team that plays on the margins. They need to pick up the ball when it's hit to them. They need to execute when runners are in scoring position because lately they've been hitting home runs, but usually, like yesterday, 
two home runs. That was it. Three to two win. And they won by the slimmest of the margins. Today, no runs scored, but you probably get out of that inning and it's probably 0-0 when Johnny Cueto leaves that game. Um, so, you know, maybe you feel a little bit better when you, you escape something like that. And Johnny Cueto has uh, stranded 79% of the runners that have been on base with him. He has a special gift for that this year where Major League Baseball is at 72 and a half. This guy is doing it at a higher clip. So you get in front of that ball, runner stays at third, Johnny Cueto does his magic like he usually does, and he gets out of that inning. Well, and I just want to show people what it looked like, too. Moncada trying to go for that ball. You said lack of focus. Um, I do see uh, Garcia saying lack of focus in the chat as well. Uh, can't say it better. He's off to his side, not in front of that ball, reaching over to his right. You can also see that he's looking forward and not at the ball. So it's just basically lack of focus, probably trying to be real quick as well because France just slid into third, so maybe just trying to grab and uh, make a swipe tag. But again, that's where veteran Johnny Cueto needs to be backing him up. I mean, there's three places there where that play could have been saved and wouldn't have hit the camera perfectly if the White Sox are able to back it up there. And against a team like Seattle or a team like Cleveland or, or any of these playoff teams, even Houston, we've seen teams take the extra base against the White Sox and their defense not be able to hold up to the challenge. And especially against the Seattle team where they have runners like uh, Sam Haggerty or Julio Rodriguez or even Ty France, who's athletic enough. Like that's where the White Sox need to improve, especially if they are going to make this miraculous one to run to make the uh, to win the AL Central. Because if you're in the playoffs, you're going to need to be tighter defensively in these situations. Because again, in a, in a one nothing ball game in the playoffs, all you need is that one home run to turn that game around and, and to bring you close. Closer. So uh, that's probably been the most frustrating part of the White Sox season is just seeing the continual mistakes from this defense uh, and the base running uh, mistakes as well. And you guys can't blame it on Tony. You cannot blame it on Tony. <laughs> no. Well, they, I mean, they, they have blew, nothing to do with this game. They blew that play. Let's, I, I Obviously, we can't you know show a replay or anything, but I thought what was really cool, as a, in, a, in addition to the ball hitting the camera lens, mm. which was pretty awesome, the, they, the broadcast had the angle from right field. Yeah, and you saw that ball make not one but two goofy bounces. Uh, first on Yon Moncada, and then at the end when it jumped up. I mean, it was pretty much rolling at that point, and then it just jumps up and hits the hits the camera. Um, obviously, like you say, Herb, if Johnny Cueto's in the right spot there, then that doesn't happen. But um, they blew that defensive play. But I mean, come on, the bigger blunder is the offense. Yep. I mean, you, you know, obviously, you know, you talk about a playoff game and one run makes all the difference. And here, you know, listen. The White Sox are a bad defensive team. I think the White Sox were probably okay with being, maybe not this bad, but being a not-so-great defensive team because they thought they were going to be a really, really good offensive team. And here we are on another night where, you know, they haven't been shut out that much, but here we are on another night where they can string, they can, they can hit the ball, but they can't get anybody home uh, once they're on base. And I think that remains, that has been the biggest problem since day one. That remains the biggest problem here on day, you know, 130 or whatever you said it was. So uh, that that's what needs to change, and it has changed at times. They've figured out a way here recently uh, every once in a while to get uh, enough runs to support their starting pitching or their starting and relief pitching effort. Tonight, not the case. Well, and also in game 133, what is continuing to hurt the White, the White Sox injuries. Uh, Luis Robert comes back for this Mariner series after taking some time to go to uh, the paternity list to go be with the uh, be at the birth of his son. And he came back today. Uh, well, yesterday played in the game uh, was pretty unsuccessful getting some swings and at-bats in. And today he had two at-bats, struck out in both of them, uh, struck out in the top of the fifth. Then he went uh, into the dugout. Adam Engel was a defensive replacement, and he was removed from the game with a bruised left hand. X-rays were negative. He's day-to-day. So it's basically the same injury. It's a little bit different because in the first at-bat in the top of the second, first pitch, inside pitch to Gilbert, hits Robert on the hands, and then Gordon Beckham points out that uh, in the next pitch, he's basically a foot back or a step back in the batter's box just because Gilbert pitches inside. The main thing that's been hurting Luis is when he's not getting the barrel of the bat on the ball, uh, the vibrations end up hurting his wrist, just sends a stinger through his hands. So being that close ends up scaring him, moving back off, and Luis really wasn't able to have a good at-bat tonight due to the wrist injury. Herb, what do you make of this wrist injury? Because it is clearly just nagging and has lasted since August 12th at this point. And the bat you're talking about, when he moved back, there was a fastball low and outside in the zone, 
that he didn't even offer at, and then the pitch he struck out was high uh, fastball, which he didn't swing at all at all either. So he wasn't interested in swinging the bat because his wrist is hurt, and this is where you got to protect the player from himself. I'm sure he wants to play. I'm sure he can play and give you good caliber off our defense out there, but his offense is just atrocious because his wrist is hurt. It's not broken. It's just bruised, but you could see the swings he's putting out there today with the one-handed swing late, and that's where the Miguel Cairo took him out and had a defensive replacement, Adam Engel, eventually. So this is where the White Sox, when he initially hurt himself in the Detroit game, sliding into the uh, Jonathan Scope, they should have put him on the IL. That's revisionist history. But now is a chance to put him on the IL and let him heal up fully. Let him get his wrist back to however close to 100% he can get to because he's kind of useless at the plate right now. He can probably put bats to the ball, but I'm not sure if him swinging the bat is making his wrist even worse right now because that Logan Gilbert pitch, it did hit his wrist, and then he swung through and probably trying to hold up on the swing caused a little bit more torque on his wrist and hurt him uh, further. So, yeah, he needs to be put on the IL. I know he, at 100% or close to 100%, helps his team, but right now he's not. I'm sure you can get away with A.J. Pollock playing center field, left field, Eloy, or whoever, but right now Luis Roberts not helping. Vinny, I just want to ask you, though, because you've read so many of these team press releases and stuff, the fact that they said was removed from the game with a bruised left hand, I think mostly the injury that he's been dealing with has been regarded to a wrist injury. So do we think that maybe he was actually hit on the hand and that being hit on the hand with that first pitch of the game it caused a new injury, or do you think this is all just kind of stemming from the same place? I know you're not in Seattle, not with the team. Yeah, I mean, I think the idea you is play that... play a doctor on TV, I'd appreciate yeah, it. <laughs> Doogie Hauser over here. Um, I, I think the idea is probably that those things can be kind of general sometimes. Sometimes the initial announcement of what they uh, think happens ends up being different depending on, uh, you know, what those further evaluations that they always talk about kind of yield. Um, it's very possible he was not hit in the wrist. I mean, I suppose you could just watch it and, and find out. But, you know, all that stuff's connected there. And, uh, you know, if you get if you if you're hurting here and you get hit here, I would imagine it's going to, uh, you know, even even if maybe it, like when you move it or something like right. that, it's going to, you know, make it even worse. So, um, listen, the bottom line is that Luis Roberts' hand area has not improved uh, over the course of the last month, and uh, that's been a real detriment to the White Sox. I, I, I honestly don't think that, you know, I, I think that the idea that they should have put him on the IL for that roster spot was kind of overblown. Um you know, I tweeted about it a few days ago. I, I'm just kind of mm -hmm. like, what are you going to do? What are you going right. to do with that extra roster spot? First it was, you know, everybody was clamoring for Adam Hazley to be on the team, I don't think. Now it's Mark Payton again. Like now, you know, it, but I, I get I get the idea about when you're talking about the health of the player, Herb. Um, you know, they shouldn't have been – they probably shouldn't have been plugging him back into these games. Yeah. I think revisionist, yes, hindsight's twenty twenty. He probably – did enough for them to think that he could help them in in the, his role as an offensive player. Uh, obviously, as time went on, that became less and less the case. And here we are, even after so many days off, still seeing those same things that we saw so drastically in that, or dramatically, I should say, in that Baltimore series. Um, if you're still seeing that, you really can't keep sending him out there because, listen, you can call him effective when certain conditions are met, I think, you know, it was back during that Baltimore series that Tony La Russa explained it as, well, when he hits the ball, you know, right on the screws, it's good. It looks good. Right. Uh, but when he's not doing that, it looks like he's in pain. And I don't think anybody really wants that right now. Um, if he can help you as a defense and base running only guy, make him that. You know what I mean? Because I'm sure he can help them in those situations. And if you don't want to put him on the IL because there's really nobody else to call up, then that's fine. Use him as that specialist-type guy off the bench. But right now, I think it's very clear for everybody to see that he is not swinging the bat at 100%. And in order for them to get the player that they think he can be, even if it's at you know a far less percentage than 100, he's going to need to be able to swing the bat a lot better than this. And he's a guy you've made a long-term investment into. You don't want to ruin anything there. So um, I... I, I I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go crazy on them for not putting him on the IL, but I it's quite obvious that every time he goes up to swing the bat, things aren't going so great. Right, and now. I see people Wayne Paul 
and others saying that Luis Roberts soft. How is he soft? Is he's trying to play through an injury? Right. Like that is not the the opposite of soft. This man is trying to give the White Sox whatever he he can give them, and he's trying to give him uh, a quality at bat, but he cannot. He's hurt. That's not soft. And yes, Wayne, it's singular. Robert, one, not Roberts. Robert, just only one of them. So I just get mad when people just. Go off on these guys as if they know him. He's not soft. He's playing through an injury. That's the opposite of what you're talking about. And you're asking, what has he done when he's healthy? Last year, he slashed 338, 373, and 567. That's goddamn great. Not good, great. When he's healthy, he is an MVP candidate. I don't give a goddamn if he's having a bad year this year. I'm getting mad because people are just talking all out out of pocket right now. You guys will be on J- Luis Roberts' jock next year when that man's healthy. Stop the stop the hate. Well, and I'm pretty sure, too, on August 12th of 2021, he returned from his injury, so kind of funny that he gets hurt on August 12th, 2022, uh, and in 2021 he's returning at that date. But from August 12th last year to the end of the season, he had 12 home runs. I mean, like, if the White Sox had any player from August 12th this year to the end of the season hitting 12 home runs, I mean, like, that would be... Yes. Their jerseys would be selling like hotcakes. I mean, it'd be insane. If they had a few players who had hit more significantly more than twelve home runs on the entire season, right? I mean, <laughs> I mean, Herb saying Andrew Vaughn's the best player hitter in the uh, on the team just because he's got fifteen home runs. Um, yes, but uh, <laughs> go, even going up there, I mean, I, I understand your comments and getting frustrated, but I mean, like I, I saw someone say, "Yo, Mancata's an automatic out." He's two for four tonight, and hit a ball one hit balls one hundred nine miles per hour and one hundred seven miles per hour. Come on now. You can have hate, and you can not like the player, but let's deal with facts. The man had a good game offensively. Stop it. And the thing, too, with Robert, like, calling him soft, you talked about Tony's comment of when he hits it on the screws, he's all right. It's just when he doesn't get it on that barrel. Um, The thing that I kind of love and cringe at with Robert is he's swinging at every single pitch with the force that he always does. The main issue is that when he's doing it, he's coming off with his hands just because I think he has so much soreness in it. But his actual torque, his actual effort, I mean, he is still unloading on balls or trying to unload on balls the same exact way that he has before the injury. And I think that's probably also causing part of the injury because there was a play in the fourth inning last game against Marco Gonzalez where Gonzalez ends up running in on him Luis makes contact but it's uh, in front of the barrel more in on the bat and you just immediately see the pain come on his face and you just immediately just see the grimace on his face he just looks uncomfortable and it's mainly because he's still swinging with all of that power it's not like he is mainly focusing on breaking balls and trying to hit the slower stuff so he can at least, you know, maybe line up the barrel. He's still swinging at fastballs, and I think, you know, you can't really hurt or, you know, shit on his effort because his effort is there. It's just he's playing hurt to the point where I see fans being like, he needs a wrist guard. I mean, he's not even using a wrist guard right now. I mean, maybe something small like that would help. Luis swing the bat, but um, it's truly either something that will only get helped with, you know, actual maybe like a structural uh, aid, like a, a wristband, or time off. I think like, time is probably the answer. This right. is a, this is a hangover type situation. Mm-hmm. I think the only thing that's curing that is time. Mm-hmm. So get a couple eggs in you. You know, don't. I don't think Luis's strategy is uh, the cold shower or a bunch <laughs> of coffee. I think he's just got to sit there and wait for it to get better. And if the only way that that's going to happen is by him not swinging then maybe that's the way to go. Maybe some ibuprofen. Uh, He'd be a very, very expensive defensive replacement and pinch runner, but he's still good at those two things. Want to let you know about PointsBet Sportsbook. They are the best sportsbook out there. Uh, You don't have to worry about them being unhealthy or being on the IL. They're always up and available, and they're counting down the days until the football season with a new offer every day until the season kicks off. From now until September 8th, PointsBet's Power Hour will unlock a new daily offer from 12 to 1 p.m. Central Standard Time. To sign up for PointsBet now using code CHGO to also get two Tourist free bets up to $2,000. Don't miss out on your chance to get daily access to free bets, boosted odds, and so much more now through September 8th. But that's not it. Since football season is starting this week, we have to let you know about this fantastic deal for new users. If you sign up using code CHGO and bet $51 or more pregame or live on the Bears game versus the Niners, you will receive a either Midway Varsity hoodie or crew neck sweatshirt. We are popping up what those look like on the screen. 
Herb said he's a hoodie guy. Vinny and I are more crew neck guys. You'll have your choice of either the hoodie or the crew neck. You'll also get the QB1 shirt that is a recent release for the CHGO locker. You also get a CHGO membership and two risk-free bets up to $2,000 on PointsBet. This is the best deal in town, and it just got even better. So download the PointsBet app today and use code CHGO to take advantage of this limited-time offer. And don't just bet. Live your bet life with PointsBet. If you or someone who has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER for crisis counseling and referral services. Herb, how was Atlanta? Uh, Atlanta was beautiful. A little hot, but beautiful city. The ballpark's great, all except the uh, tomahawk chop. Tomahawk chop they did like 17 times, prompted by baseball ops there. Like the stadium ops is like, okay, it's time for this racist shit again. Go ahead and do it. But otherwise, that ballpark is a top. It was a top five before they started doing all that like multiple times. I've got in my top 10 right now of the 19 I've seen. And how close are you sitting? Uh, we sat in the 300 level, so it was a good vantage point. We're probably um, just over the Braves uh, dugout in the 300 level. They have 300, and then they have 400 and 500. So it was right in the middle. It was nice, uh, about $100 seats each. Would, so, it be, would it be outrageous for me to ask you to do uh, Countdown in the Top 10, or is that a segment that's coming up in a no, future no, program? No, no. Um, well, let me get through the ad read, and then we'll do... Oh, you weren't done with that. All right. Um, go ahead. Go Herb ahead, Herb got those fantastic $100 <laughs> tickets in the 300 level at Truist Park thanks to the GameTime app. GameTime is the hottest new ticketing site that makes it easier than ever to score the best deals on tickets to sports, concerts, and shows. If you ever dreamed of sitting in a seat you never thought you could, either at the 50-yard line, courtside, behind home plate, again, the 300 section at Truist Park, it's possible with the GameTime app. It's the biggest last-minute price straps that can be found on these seats that you never thought you could buy. You won't find a better deal on this season on White Sox tickets. Maybe Bears tickets with them starting up their new season. In Herb's Capes, Braves tickets. It's created by fans for the fans, and it guarantees the lowest price. And if you see a price on a different site like Herb did, you can contact their fantastic customer support, and they will hook you up with the difference. So if you love CHGO... 110% difference. 110% difference, baby. So if you love CHGO, then you love game time. The best way to support us is by buying your tickets through the link in the description. So go into the YouTube description or the podcast description, hit that game time link, download that app, and join over 15 million people who have downloaded the game time app and score the best seats to all of your favorite events all right you got a top 10 uh wrigley 10 american family which is um miller park eight uh nine eight is city field truest was seventh coors field is six i've only been there once and it was great it should improve in my rankings because people think that um I, my fifth one should be lower which is kaufman stadium i love kansas city as a city and i love kaufman stadium as a stadium Camden Yards is four. Petco in San Diego is three. PNC was long time my number one. But then this year I went to Oracle Park, and it's not even close. It's the best stadium in baseball. It's by far. And I love PNC, but Oracle is another world than all the rest of these parks. G, where's the G rate on that list? Uh, 12th. All right, so two back it's, from Wrigley? It's, yeah, it's just there's nothing there. Great food, great drinks. It's just if you go to different parks, you're like, man, we have a mediocre park. And that's what GRA is. Not good, not bad, just mediocre, just fine. How many out of 30? I've been to 19. Okay. How many have you been to, Vinny? You cut, you oh, boy. Count? I don't know off the top of my head. It's not that many. Okay. It's not, it's not that many. You don't have a top 10, maybe? Or would you have not offhand. Right. No. Yeah. <laughs> I have, I, mine's very easy. I've been to three parks. I've been to Guaranteed Rate, I've been to Wrigley, and I've been to Miller. So it's very easy for me. Miller's last, White Sox second, unfortunately, Wrigley's first. Oh, my favorite park is Miller Park. Really? For sure. Oh yeah, it's my favorite place. Huh? It's too hot. It's too hot. They cl- can close the roof. Yeah, but the, but the like, air conditioning. W- but the air conditioning didn't work last time I went. Well, that okay. That's I don't a, like that's it. A, it was that's a one-time thing. That's when you read a like. That's like when you read a Yelp review of a restaurant. And they're like, they didn't bring me my fries on time. And I'm like, this has nothing to do with the c- caliber of the restaurant. You just had an unfortunate experience. Didn't that happen though in 2021? I think when they played up in in Miller, that the, the air they, AC was broke too. I don't know if they have an air condition now or never had one uh, because of Miller Park. But the day I went, it was White Sox versus Brewers. I was there for that. Yeah, it was like a yeah. Carlos Rodon versus like. Burns and it was Rodon like 110 got, degrees outside. Yeah, and yeah. Burns got. Cr- I mean, Rodon got crushed that day. Before that, he was having a great season, and yeah, it was hot. But I, I felt comfortable. I love that ballpark, and literally that and Chase Field are the same ballpark, pretty much. I like Miller Park much better than Chase Field, just Why? because. 
I think sausages. The tailgate, the tailgate <laughs> situation you can do down there. Um, it, Arizona, it's just downtown. No one's in downtown Phoenix. It's just garbage. I don't like the state of Arizona. It's it's a terrible state. It's probably, like probably going down there in February. What's a, what's the Colts stadium? Uh, Lucas, Oil? Lucas, Oil. Yeah, Lucas Oil. It's like my feelings about Indianapolis and Lucas Oil. I went to Lucas Oil the day after the Super Bowl for for the Indiana Pacers job fair. You would think that this it is, was a this ghost is an town. outrageous story, right? You now. thought it was, it was a ghost town. You are you are citing your opinions on a football stadium because you were there for an Indiana Pacers <laughs> job. And no one was in that damn city. It's the largest city in the state of Indiana, the armpit of America, and wow. no one's in the damn city at like twelve. It's like lunchtime, and, and no one's even out having lunch. And I can agree. Like I'm biased because I don't like Arizona as a state, even though Phoenix our our trip out there was fine. But Miller Park, I just there's something about it. Maybe the proximity, the fun time we had pregame. I still had a good time at Miller Park, even though the White Sox didn't do well that game. I remember that. That's the game I think Yoan either missed home plate and got out eventually, where uh, it was a, another flub, another uh, focus problem with Yoan. But I always have a great time at Miller Park. The one time I went to Chase Field, they gave out great uniforms for the free gift, but I just didn't feel like the ballpark was conducive to a, having a good time at there at it because i did have a good time but not as fun as miller park or american family whatever it's called now since you're comparing amfam and chase would you guys rather slide down the slide or be in the like you know slide being in the, the hot tub slide down the slide, slide. And it's not even close yeah i don't yeah. want to catch disease uh, but let's well say i mean i like tub. a hot tub in general private but in this hot, situation you get yeah. private access to the hot tub Slide down the slide. Slide down, slide down the slide. slide. 100%. I, I, and re- I would break my arm like that dude with the L.A. <laughs> Dodgers before oh, I would crap. jump into that water. Ugh. I don't know. I just Minute Maid is good. I liked Minute Maid. I went there too, too many times last year, but that was... They I have, have air yeah. conditioning there. They do. Yes. I'm about to say. Would you guys rather slide down the slide or ride the train? Ride the train. Mm, no, slide down the slide. I think I'm Bernie slide Brewer. Down. Come on, man. I think I'm slide down <laughs> no one the slide. Wa- no one wants to be like Junction Jack. You remember Junction Jack? <laughs> no. He was the Astros' old mascot from their NL Central days. He was a, uh, a rabbit who was also a train conductor, and he rode the little train up there. I do remember that. Yeah, and Junction Jack. But yeah. now I think they just put like a real dude up there. I think yeah, there's a, a guy who drives the train. It's full of oranges. And now, now, yeah, yeah, and now they got like. Isn't there a real mascot like Orbit or something? Orbit, he's an alien. That makes sense. But yeah. Junction Jack, come on, he was kind of fun. Orbit seems like a ripoff of uh, the uh, Gritty, the, no. the Flyers mascot. Orbit, Orbit is an alien. First. He's an actual. He makes sense with his team. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> I guess. Um, anyways, let's talk about the White Sox. Let's move on. Let's talk from. about the White Sox old defunct mascot, Waldo the White Sox Wolf, who was great. I thought it was uh, Ribby. They well, there was also. Ribby and Rhubarbs from a long time ago. When I was a kid, it was Waldo the White Sox Wolf. He was only a cartoon. They didn't have a guy walking around as him. Yeah, you were part of Waldo's club. Yeah, Waldo's Kids Club. Yeah. Wal- Waldo, Ribby and Rhubarb, or whatever the fuck, and, or Southpaw. Well, Southpaw, Southpaw is way last, for sure. Really? Not a big Southpaw guy. Sorry, Southpaw. I'm a Southpaw I'm guy. A Southpaw Give guy. me Southpaw. No chance. I didn't go to the ballpark with Ribby and Rhubarb. Yeah, they are hilariously ridiculous, though. They are like crazy crab level of ridiculousness. Crazy crab. Giants, San Francisco Giants, 80s mascot, crazy crab. Oh, jeez. Guys, come on Crazy now. crab only, only mascot I remember is Bird Zerk. Oh, he's, no. I remember Bird Zerk. He's crazy come crab. Yeah, it's, it's the Cougars game. Cougars game yeah. all the time. He's a mascot Hall of Famer, Bird Zerk. Bird Zerk. I kind of like Crazy Crab. Oh, just Crazy because, Crab's the greatest. I mean, first off, his oh, little Jesus mustache. Christ. But I, I like <laughs> God, I like the fact that they made a him nightmare. just a dirty, there, ugly crab with a little oh, hat. There is no greater mascot in the history of mascots than Crazy Crab. That is a nightmare. You guys ever see the uh, Dave Chappelle sh- uh, show where they did the like Sesame Street type of uh, thing about VD, venereal diseases? That looks like one of the characters. Crazy Crab is fantastic. Crazy and Rhubarb. I mean, Crazy and Crab, I, I would rather... I guess I would rather have the Dave Chappelle looking like VD mascot compared to Ribby and Rhubarb who just look like Sesame Street. They're just bad Muppets, yeah. Yeah. But they were, but again, kind of funny. But then again, Southpaw, kind of also a bad Muppet. Anyways, uh, let's talk about Johnny Cueto and Logan Gilbert uh, who pitched today. Uh, Johnny Cueto, pretty good. Uh, Mm -hmm. Again, escaping jams left and right, was very good at doing that. Six innings pitched. 
five hits allowed, one earned run, three walk, and three strikeouts. Finish at 96 pitches. You were kind of iffy on when Cairo took to, took him out. Herb, uh, Logan Gilbert went six innings, five hits, no earned runs, no walks, and nine strikeouts with 101 pitches. But, yeah, you were kind of iffy when Cueto got pulled and Jimmy Lambert came in with uh, runners on first and second. I mean, it wasn't the wrong move. I was just like, okay, Cueto knows how to get – out of jams, as I was saying with the air he made earlier or the air that uh, Gavin Sheets made earlier and then the not backing up a third base. Like, if they get to that ball, I think Cueto gets out of that jam with no runs scored. Right in that inning, I think he gave up a hit, and then he walked the next hitter. It was right for uh, Miguel Cairo to come out and Nobody give out too. Yeah, and give Jimmy Lambert that inning. And James Michael Lambert, and Vinny calls him a different name. James, James Tiberius Lambert, of course. Did a great job of getting out of that inning because he's been filthy this year. And uh, Tony calls him Adam Wainwright, and I scoffed at that initially. I'm like, God damn, Tony, you were right. This man is great. I'll tell you this. Uh, they said on the, Jason said on the broadcast that Jimmy Lambert told him he had never seen an episode of Seinfeld, which leads me oh, to believe oh, that oh. he would in no way get my uh, very, very deep Star Trek reference. No. <laughs> You would not get your team no. Star Trek reference. Uh, what? How do you not see Seinfeld at this point? It's hard to do. I Especially mean, Jimmy Lambert. He's old, like, older than me, at least. He's older than you. He's not older than us. Right. But, like, I mean, like, <laughs> I, I feel like if you... He's probably seen every episode of The Big Bang Theory in reruns, uh, I'm guessing. And the yeah. OC. <laughs> I mean, he's a California kid. He probably didn't watch... He was a Packer fan. Yeah. Watch a lot of... Uh, Seinfeld. I didn't watch a lot of Seinfeld. The only Seinfeld episode I've seen is the uh, masturbating one. That's the Contest. only one. That's literally yeah. the only one I've seen. Yeah. I mean, I mean at the same time. Mar- you didn't want to see more? Well, Martin was going on. So I was at the time, you know, nowadays you could just, you know, if Seinfeld was going the same time, I would just DVR uh, Seinfeld and then watch Martin live. But. You know, back in the day, my friend, we used to play basketball on Thursday. So we either watch Martin or go play some hoops. And my friend would never come because, like, I'm watching Seinfeld. I'm like, oh, what's this Seinfeld garbage? <laughs> it's not going to last. Get out of here. And I mean, I I get it. And I've never really seen uh, Kirby or Enthusiasm. It's probably not my type of humor. It's funny. It's kind of like Bruce Springsteen. I know you love Bruce. I get why he's popular, but he's not my thing. Other people like Seinfeld. Other people like Curb. Just not my thing. I'm a more of a Martin guy. You and Jimmy Lambert can, can we can commiserate, commiserate about yeah. <laughs> not seeing it. It's like, man, remember we didn't see those episodes. See, and that's the thing. I would watch How I Met Your Mother, and people like, Ugh, yeah, How I Met Your Mother. Oh, yeah, I don't like. You're that a show. fucking idiot. Yeah. <laughs> see, I was big into How I Met Your Mother, and then they had the finale, and it was just like the worst thing. I, I mean, ever one seen. through six were great, so. and then six through nine, mm-hmm. where uh, the actor Jason Segel went off to do real good movies, and then he was acting like he was in Minnesota. That was a dumb angle. And then he was just like away for a while. He's like, I'm calling, I'm calling you from my dad's house in Minnesota. And you could tell, obviously, he's in some sound stage in probably Hawaii while I was doing Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Shout out to Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Great movie. Uh, let's move on. Awesome movie. Uh, and a lot of different tangents today. We're not even talking about this game. <laughs> no, I mean, what, what is there to talk about? The White Sox just didn't drive in runs, and it was unfortunate. Uh, we can look at Logan Gilbert's pitch mix. The main thing, uh, he was just locating his fastball up, and the White Sox were able to do nothing with it. 29 swings on his fastball today. 10 swings and misses. Uh, he also had nine called strikes, so called strikes plus whiff percentage on his fastball alone. 34%. That's above uh, major league average at 27%. 34% is pretty much uh, elite level. Um, and then you look at the called strike plus whiff percentage on a sinker. Uh, White Sox really weren't able to do anything with any type of fastball today. And the slider and knuckle curve were able to keep righties at bay. And we saw that a lot with A.J. Pollock. Um, not really too much with, with Aloy Jimenez and, and, and Jose Abreu. Um, but Really, the only person that had consistent success against Logan Gilbert today was your click to pick, Yohan Moncada. Yohan had a, two hard hit balls. Uh, Loy had a two, I think, against uh, um, Logan Gilbert, three for the day. They were hitting him hard, as I said. They were just hitting most of those balls right at players. So when they did barrel up the ball, they did good good things with it, but not too many times. And the one for seven when runners in scoring position tells you much as much when it was needed for them to drive in runs. I was thinking, like, they had so many 3-0 counts where they just took them in. I think three, at least three 3-0 counts, not all versus Logan Gilbert, but I think two of them, and they just looked them in, and they took them. And I know we only got, like, one home run, and it's Gavin Sheets' bat on a 3-0 count. 
got to take advantage. I thought we're doing, doing the fuck it thing. If we're doing the fuck it thing, 3-0 counts and middle-middle fastballs you need to drive. That is where you get offense from. And people in Major League Baseball, and you said the numbers a couple weeks ago, they're doing really well versus 3-0 counts. And it seems like the White Sox are the only team that is taking those 3-0 counts. And then when the 3-1 count comes, they're swinging at balls above the strike zone. I think Gavin did that twice. And then they're going to throw a filthy slider on 32, and you're going to strike out. Um, Sox are still at – they have two home runs now on 3-0 counts. So I'm not sure who – Gavin, the, the or is it uh, A.J. Pollock probably? Probably. I mean, uh, maybe Elvis. Elvis, maybe it was that grand slam where he was up against uh, Nick Gordon. Uh, that, maybe that was 3-0. I mean, that, no, that, that could not happen. That that Tony would have came back and cussed everybody out. It's <laughs> like, on a position player? But that was, That's the thing. Tony wasn't there during that game. That was Saturday when Tony is yeah, in, in Arizona. Yeah, I'm you, he would have came back and be like, you're getting on that bench, Elvis. We don't uh, do that to our teammates. I don't, I don't to know our opponents. Yeah, I don't know if they're benching AJ Pollock. We'll have that discussion in a second. Uh, let's just look at Johnny Cueto stuff. We'll take an ad break and then we'll talk about AJ Pollock and the Sox, and especially we'll talk about tomorrow's game: uh, Michael Kopech versus Luis Castillo. Johnny Cueto in this one though mainly focused his cutter uh, through that 28 times today, his changeup 19 times, his sinker 19 times, his forcing fastball 17 times, and his slider 30. 13 times, so Johnny Cueto, classic Johnny Cueto uh, start, like Vinny mentioned in the pregame, consistency, mixing up his pitches, throwing whatever he wants in those counts, and he was effective, uh, just making uh, low uh, average exit velocities. Uh, I think the average exit velocity was around 84. He was locating well, maybe not perfectly, but again, you really can't ask for much more than Johnny Cueto than six innings and uh, no earned runs. So uh, Johnny Cueto was great today and, again, uh, escaped some jams when he got into them. So uh, good job by Johnny Cueto. I'm looking for a FOCO bobblehead for Johnny Cueto. I see the Justin Fields one back there. Chicago, you've already got the best coverage for your favorite teams, so get fitted in the best sports gear around. FOCO has you covered from Soldier Field to the front room, north or south side, with hoodies, slippers, signs, bobbleheads, and everything in between. Get decked out like DeMar with apparel from the leaders in sports merch and collectibles, FOCO. If you're looking for the perfect gift for the football fan in your life, FOCO's got you covered with the hoodies that fight the Lake Michigan breeze. So check out FOCO.com or click the link in the description below. And for all non-presale items, use the promo code CHGO for 10% off. There's a Southpaw bobblehead for all you Southpaw fans uh, fans at FOCO.com, F-O-C-O.com. There's a Dallas Keuchel bobblehead, um, but they also have some real fantastic uh, City Connect jersey ones as well. So if you're looking at get maybe a Luis Robert one, a Tim Anderson one in the City Connect jerseys, check out FOCO.com. Again, F-O-C-O.com. And for all non-presale items, use the promo code CHGO for 10% off again the white Sox are three games back in the al central 68 and 68 they are at 500 for the 25th time this year let's look at where they now rank for the worst team since 2010 or are the teams that have been at 500 the most since 2010 uh the 2010 a's were at 533 games uh 2011 blue jays at 500 for 33 games 2019 diamondbacks at 500 for 30 games the 2021 phillies were at 500 for 25 games and now the white Sox with their 25th game at 500. You guys feeling like 33's in range here, or maybe they're going to pull ahead? What, is, what are we feeling? Is it mathematically in range? I think so. It's really hard. How many? So 133 to, games. They just so have they to go have, back and forth. So, yeah, it would be 8 times 2, 16. Tie it. So, so they, have, they have more than 16 games left. I mean, yeah. But to further that uh, 500 uh, thing, and Johnny Cueto starts, the White Sox are 10 and 10. Oh, jeez. <laughs> but here's the thing. Here's the thing. If they're going to be the most 500 team of all time, they have to finish 500, right? Yes. They got to hurry up too. I so mean, that so how many games they got left? Um, 68, 68. I think 29. If I 136, 136 or 136. Two minus 136 26. is 26. 26. If you go 13 and 13, they could do that easily. They could do that easily, and also like, that means 13 more times. So they can get up to 38 times at 500, right? No. Because if know. they lose and then win and lose and win, I if they do that 13, 13, right? They do that for 26 straight games. I think that would be 13 more times at 500. Right. 13. So, so that they would be could still, yeah. 38 times at, at 500, which would be ridiculous. If they finish at 81 and 81, truly someone like this team or this 
this iteration of the White Sox, the 2022 White Sox, had to be cursed by somebody somewhere. And uh, maybe can could they? Is it mathematically possible for them to win the division at 500? Yes, <laughs> probably. But I think Cleveland would need to go on a real bad losing streak. Oh, I sure. Mean, I'm just asking if it's possible. Yeah. I think the Guardians think so. and the Twins play a lot. So they could just cancel each other out, and they can go 500 themselves. So, yeah. But the Sox need the Guardians to lose. Okay. Then the Twins can win, and then the Twins can lose the rest of the White Sox that last week. I think the Sox would need to beat the Guardians, and the Twins would need to beat the Guardians every time they faced them. And then the Sox would need to just sweep the Tigers, or the Twins. The uh, Twins and the, Guardians play six. each other eight more times. Yeah, they have a bunch of games left to rest each other. Yeah, but if they go 4-4, four and four, that doesn't mean anything. The White Sox would need to win, and we're talking about them going 500. Gotcha. It's yeah. a lot of math. Anyways. Too much math uh, for us. Let's just do a little bit more math. Uh, let's talk about the White Sox and their wins. So we talk about them winning 60, losing 60, and there's the other 42 that count. Uh, they haven't really added to the other uh, category, which is good, and they're still above 500 in that. They're 19 and 18 in the other 42 uh, that count. 49 wins and 50 losses, though. Um, but again, you get 60 of each, so they're just kind of... Marching, uh, marching on, and again, uh, the main thing that's important is going six and zero in the other forty-two. So right now, the Sox are at a fine spot. So I know, I know this. You guys don't get much out of this, this bit. No, this I, bit. I'm not. I'm. It's very objective. <laughs> uh, that's or, or that's or it's rather it's very subjective rather. And you're putting objective numbers onto a subjective thing, and it's it's confusing. We don't mail in West Coast post games, Paul. Correct? You're absolutely incorrect about that. If anything, no we mail in games that are one to nothing. Yeah, we may, <laughs> What is there to talk about? It's three to nothing. I mean, Vinny's mailing well, it was in three the to score. Nothing. There you go. Case for getting Cal Raleigh's monster shot here. How could I? Uh, the, Sam, first, the first home run Reynaldo Lopez gave up this season. That's wow. crazy. Raylo's been a little shaky as, as of late. You worried her? No, I'm not worried. The guy, you know, any pitcher goes through some tough times. You know, hung a, a curveball to Cal Raleigh, who's hitting 23 home runs this year, the most of any catcher in Major League Baseball. And to, truth be told, it wasn't a terrible pitch. It was at the bottom of the zone. It did hang, but, you know, sometimes a good good uh, backstop who hits 23 home runs a year is going to catch you, and he caught that one. Yeah. And, hey, I mean, he's been pretty damn dangerous. He had a hit in the first game as well. Um, and, and he's a guy that, again, we talk about how important hitter, uh, catchers are and, and catchers that can hit uh, with Adley Rushman. Uh, that guy might be a nightmare for the Sox, uh, especially with now having to face all 30 teams. Uh, you're going to be seeing a lot more of Cal Raleigh uh, in, in against the White Sox uh, coming up. So, uh, Reynaldo Lopez, too, uh, since July 23rd, an ERA of 318, uh, 11 and one-third innings, five earned runs, I guess 12 uh, and, and one third innings, five earned runs now. So not awful, not great, but a lot of scoreless outings in there. Take like so. a three eighteen ERA over the season, over the full season. Yeah, yeah. So I'm fine with Ronaldo Lopez struggling right now. Low bump in the road. Uh, Michael Kopech supposedly returning tomorrow for the Sox. It's going to be Luis Castillo, former Red, going up against Michael Kopech. What do we expect from Kopech, especially coming off of that start in Kansas City, where he? Got injured on, in, during the warm-up, seemingly, and, and had to pitch a couple uh, pitches to a couple batters in that Kansas City game. I think he ended up throwing about 17 pitches before getting pulled out. Uh, what are we expecting from Kopech tomorrow? I mean, I think you'd expect him to be healthy. I don't think they're going to let him start if he's not. So, I mean, I would think that he is going to be able to give you the amount of innings a healthy pitcher can give you, certainly. So, uh, listen, he's been pretty good this year. I, I think that he uh, is a guy that's going to deliver uh, a, a quality performance. I don't think, you know, we haven't seen him get rocked too many times this year. And really with the way that, uh, you know, Lucas Giolito has had kind of trouble finding his form Kopech is a guy who could be in line for a playoff start, no doubt about it. So if if they if the White Sox uh, are fortunate enough to get there, but um, I think you can expect him to to kind of go back to uh, kind of the Kopech he's been for most of the season. Like I said, the only thing that has really derailed him a couple of times has been that health, has been that knee, and uh, it's going to be uh, you know a situation where they wouldn't let him pitch if he wasn't over that. So. Yeah, and this is from James Fegan, who's out in Seattle, said his leg, uh, Michael Kopech said his leg issue went away a few days after his start in Kansas City. So fingers crossed that just the 15 days on the IL uh, helped him recover and got back to full strength. Luis Castillo now in a Mariners uniform. You excited to see him? No, I wish he wasn't <laughs> pitching tomorrow. I would rather for the White Sox face uh, Robbie Ray, who they uh, roughed up a little bit earlier here in Chicago, but he's been pitching much better. But uh, Luis Castillo and then change-ups, no. 
I'm, I'm good. I'm real good, especially the White Sox uh, struggling versus off-speed pitches, especially sliders. So Luis Castillo, I don't know if they saw him. It's like 2020. This is not going to be a good game for them. They just need to scratch over a couple runs, and maybe Michael Kopech can hold the Mariners at bay, as the White Sox pitchers and starters have done a great job in this uh, two-game set already only giving them five runs. Yeah, and Luis Castillo has been fantastic coming over to Seattle in six games, a 239 ERA, 43 strikeouts in 37 and two-thirds innings. Got an ERA plus of 155. He's been fantastic all year. Uh, you mentioned him versus the White Sox. I don't think it's happened in his career. Uh, no games in 2020, no games in 2021, and no games in 2022. Um, so definitely, if he has faced him, it's a very younger Luis Castillo. This is a guy now 30 years old. Uh, has really found his stride uh, and has been a fantastic uh, ace-level pitcher. And, and the Mariners gave up a lot uh, to get him on their team, and he's been fantastic for him so far. Uh, he does leave a lot of sinkers middle-middle, so maybe the Sox can get <laughs> something. Uh, he's made six starts and has given up three home runs, and for an ace, that's a decent amount. So that's like a lot-ish. Um, get some singles tomorrow. So, hey, yeah, uh, shoot for the moon. Uh, we'll see if the White Sox can pull off the victory. We'll be with you at 2.30 for your pregame show. And I forgot, too, like, they won't, the shadows won't be as drastic they were on Monday as it was later in the afternoon when Don Lance Lynn was dominating the Seattle Mariners. But late in that game, the shadows will return because that's when the game started the other day versus a uh, uh, Monday versus the Mariners. So though it's imperative for the White Sox to get a couple runs early and then bring in their bullpen and have those shadows to their advantage. Yeah, great point there. Um, Gordon was talking a little bit about the shadows and how it just affects hitters. And, uh, yeah, no, that, that's a, a great point right there, especially uh, them starting at, what, 1 o'clock West Coast time? So, you know, come around 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock, those shadows might get real ugly uh, for the Sox and Mariners. I had some A.J. Pollock stats, Stephen. Uh, thank you for putting them together, but I know you'd rather get home than show those on the screen. So let's just end it. We'll talk about the <laughs> A.J. Pollock stuff tomorrow. Uh, it, it can wait truly uh, a couple hours here. So we will end the show. Sox lose 3 to nothing to the Mariners. They fall to 500 again, 68 and 68 on the year. Thank you to Vinny Duber for joining us in his John Prine shirt. You can follow him on Twitter at Vinny Duber. He's the CHGO White Sox beat writer. You can follow Herb Lawrence on Twitter at Ecknerwall23. He's the CHGO White Sox community leader. And I'm Sean Anderson. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. Thank you to Stephen Nicholas for his production. And thank you to Fleetwood Mac for their 1979 album Tusk. We'll talk to you tomorrow and go White Sox.